This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I wrote this book for people who are like, this sucks. Dating sucks. And even if you don't resonate with all of those, but this element of, I am not enjoying the process of trying to find my person or connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And if that is you, yeah, you got to change something. Statistically, uh, the quality of our intimate relationships will dictate a lot of our happiness. Whether that be with several people, it could be with nobody because you feel like right now is the time for you. But if your intimate life and your romantic life is a space of peace for you and gratitude and happiness, that bleeds over in joy to every other area. Let's take a breath. (sighs) Hey guys, I'm Cindy Litvacco and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I, as always, am just so happy that you're here. Today is going to be a great episode if you are dating, if you're in a relationship, I just think this is such an informative and helpful episode if you are in either of those spaces. So basically for everyone. So Shan Boudram is on the podcast. She's a certified sexologist with a BA in psychology who speaks online and in media about intimacy. She educates people on topics like sex, relationships, dating, self-love, all of the things. She has a book, a podcast. She is very popular on YouTube. She has written for many different shows. She's uh, appeared on a lot of different TV shows for her expertise. And she basically is so knowledgeable and also so down to earth. I recently listened to her book, And what's funny, you would think like, oh, you're in a relationship. Why would you listen to a book about dating? Um, One, I was prepping for the interview, but two, I loved reading or listening to her books because my ultimate goal and why I do things with business and just everything I do is to try and help people in some way by using my own experiences or conversations or connections that I have with other people and bringing that to anyone listening or maybe that reads an Instagram post or really anything that I do or put out in the world. I just hope that it helps or brightens up someone's day in some way. So I think by having Shan on, I want to help people when it comes to dating. I get tons of questions all the time about relationships, finding your person, how to get out there, how to start your dating profile, how to like do all of the things. And I don't know if that's because I wanted a dating TV show. I don't know if it's because I'm in a relationship now, but people, those questions come to me all the time. And I love to try and help the best way I can. But I think the best way to offer help for that is getting people like Shan to speak on the topics and to give the advice and the science and the psychology behind dating is fascinating to me. And I think it's something that can definitely help if you're in the process, especially of dating or um, trying to find your person or even after you found them and you're in relationships, you want to keep that intimacy and that connection going. Uh, We talked so much today about this experiment or this process she did with six women from all different backgrounds who were experiencing trouble in dating and uh, were just not seeing a lot of success. They were women who were very successful in their own lives and their careers and were doing well, really well, but seemed to have a lot of hangups or just not a lot of success in dating. And I felt like one of those women back in the day and I totally relate to it. So I honestly wish I had a book like Shan's back when I was dating, back when I was searching for 
my person, searching for a reason why things weren't working for me. Um, I just think it would have been so helpful. So I highly recommend reading the book. I think this episode is a great jumping point for that. It's going to give you a lot of insights and some key takeaways for things that we could all work on as far as intimacy goes and just bettering ourselves. And I think it shows ultimately when you are working on yourself in any regards, whether that's with dating and intimacy or just in general working on things that you want to change about yourself or fine tune or whatever it is, naturally that's going to bleed into all aspects of your life, which includes career, relationship, friendship, just general happiness, I believe all comes from that really good understanding of self and knowing what you need for yourself and how you can improve upon things in order to achieve the things that you're manifesting, going after, um, working towards in your life. So this episode I think is incredible. So please share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share it with your friends, your family, anyone that you know might be dating right now who would definitely love to listen to it. Besides that, my something to share. Um, Last week was the finale of Bachelor in Paradise, which was so exciting. We had three engagements and I will say from watching the season, I absolutely enjoyed every part of this season. I loved, I think it was so entertaining. I think it was a long time coming. Having no paradise last year with the pandemic, I just think it was something we all were waiting for. And it was like a breath of fresh air. And I loved getting to see um, the engagements. And I love the fact that they changed up casting. So now the people who made it to the end weren't necessarily the people who were the front runners of their seasons. Some of them we didn't really know well. Some of them we didn't even really remember their names from their season. I think that's what's so incredible about the changes that the franchise is starting to make is that we get to see actual love stories that we might not have seen otherwise. That was the thing that honestly I was most frustrated about being in paradise as I felt like because I was not a front runner or a final four, I felt very hidden within my season and within my prospects of dating. And that could have just been my own experience, but that's just how it felt because naturally people go on to the show and they're drawn to people made it to the end or people who are more known in the franchise, which ultimately is somewhat related to Instagram followers, like it or not. So that seems to be what in the past people have been drawn to. And I'm sure that still plays played into this season as we saw with Piper and Brendan. Um, So that can be really frustrating when you're someone who's just trying to meet someone and have a unique experience and feeling like you're still coming from behind. So I think with the way that they switched things up, I loved getting to see uh, different love stories form and that we got three engagements at the end and I, three women of color, which is also incredible and been very rare for the franchise. So I think ultimately that was a very big success and I love to see it. Also love the drama, who doesn't? But I do love a good happy ending and I wish all the best to those three couples and I hope to see them last. And I'm excited to continue to watch their love flourish. Other than that, I was doing question stickers on Instagram. And I think a lot of the questions that I got were related to dating or related to putting yourself out there and just feeling frustrated and dating or confused or whatever it is. I think this episode is definitely going to be a big help, especially on that front. If anyone's feeling frustrated, I know holiday season is coming up as people call it cuffing season where everyone's like getting together and getting more serious. Um, If you're seeing those things and getting still getting frustrated and feeling like you're not finding what you're looking for, maybe take breaks or just trust that your thing that you're calling in and the thing that you're looking for is out there. Maybe just take yourself on a date. Maybe just hang out with your girlfriends or your guy friends and just enjoy each other's time and don't put so much pressure on the end goal. Keep it in the back of your mind and keep working on yourself in the meantime. But a lot of the times when we're so focused on getting 
to the goal, reaching a certain number, getting the relationship that we're looking for, always focus on the end goal. We always lose the moment that now the magic of the time that you have in between where life may be seem boring, but honestly, I think that's where the most magic is. And that's advice I need to take myself. I'm always focused on doing better, improving. How can I reach more people? How can I get more episode downloads? So many things I'm always working on and working towards. And a lot of the times because I get so focused on those, I tend to lose the little moments or not be as present as I would like to be. So I'm definitely working on that. And I think I can that can relate to anything that you're working towards. It's easy to get lost in achieving and not feeling like you're there yet. I just challenge you all to take a deep breath, trust where you are in life, trust the process, and just try not to lose hope that the thing that you're working towards is coming and not trying to control the outcome so much more, just kind of letting it go and trusting that it is coming your way. Um, so that we can hopefully enjoy the now and what we already have and all the blessings and the gifts and the things that we already possess within us so that when that thing comes, we'll just be ready for it. That is all I have for my something to share today. Please share this episode with a friend like I asked. Um, And before you guys go, it always helps if you write a five-star review, share this one on Instagram, tag us at something to share podcast or tag me and I will always repost you. Um, And it just helps me to continue to grow and get these episodes out to the people that need to hear them. So without further ado, guys, here is Shan. So Shan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited about today's conversation and just to get to know you. How are you today? I'm excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I've been reading your book the past few weeks. Yes. To it, so I'm really excited to <gasps> jump in. You on know my that. voice then. Yes. You're like, I feel girl, like I know we've been you. talking. <laughs> yeah, you've been talking in my headphones for quite a while now. So I'm excited to talk face to face. Um, so for the people that don't know who you are. Can you just give a little background of who you are, what you do, and why you are so incredible? Oh, man. The, the last part I can't answer that. You got to say that for me. But uh, my <laughs> name is Shamboodram. I talk about sex, love, relationships, attachments for a living. Essentially, I think I have the most interesting job on the planet. I, I love what I get to do for a living, and uh, I talk about it mostly in the media. A project that I'm working on right now that's really exciting is I am on uh, X-Rated with Andy Cohen right now as the resident sex expert. I also have a podcast coming out called Lovers and Friends October 6th, which is just a dream come true of mine to have an hour of people's time where they we talk about sex and relationships, which is fascinating because we all come from a culture where these things are deprioritized and we're given two weeks, if that, in school to learn about these topics and we're expected to have all the answers for the rest of our lives. So to get to a place now where I genuinely feel like there's an audience who is interested every single week to devote 45 minutes of their time to this topic, I think is a really massive accomplishment. I'm excited for that. It's going to be incredible because it's some, like you said, it's something that we all want to know more about and that we are kind of craving knowledge on, but we are only given this small allotment of time to learn about it. And it's nice to have a platform like you have and a a way to get more knowledge and find our own sensualities and sexualities and given an open space to do so. Because I feel like that can be a very scary topic for people or something that we ignore, like you said. So I'm excited for 
to listen to that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, similar to have your podcast where you just talk about positivity, mm-hmm. right? Like we live in a world that tells us that the news has to be negative. It has to be fast, that people don't care about genuine human interest stories. So mm-hmm. to have 45 minutes where you genuinely just say, what's great in your life? What are some of the lessons you have learned? What can we take from your experiences? And you have an audience for that. I think really goes to how much misinformation we're told about what people care about. Yeah, I think again, like we're told people don't care about sex and relationships, like learning about it. I mean, that's the messaging that we get, I think from media. Um, and we're told that people don't want good news, but everybody here is obviously uh, contrarian to those facts. You've come to the right place if those are the things that you care about, which I agree. I feel like we do all deep down care about that. And then we all need more spaces to have those outlets. So I'm excited for today. Anyways, let's jump into my questions. I asked this initial question of everyone. I did just throw this at you, but I asked everyone, everyone to bring an object, something surprising from their nightstand or something with an interesting backstory. So Shan, what did you bring today? So I brought my O'Keefe's Healthy Feet Cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I thought about this because I just put this on yesterday for the first time in a while as I have cracked heels and I mm-hmm. traditionally get cracked heels a lot, like dry to the point that you can hear me come in. If I come into the sheets with you, you're like, is that sandpaper? No, it's my foot. Oh my um, and so yesterday, a friend of mine came by and I, I shot a podcast episode with them and their name is Evian Whitney. And Evian is to me, a master of sensuality. And we're just discussing being with your body and being an expression of your body, being in communication with your body, being in celebration of your body. And at the end of the interview, I said, you know what, Evian, like today I'm going to handle my feet. They've been bothering me. I have just been so, every time I look down, I'm irritated by them and it's summertime. So my feet are always out. Every time I walk, I'm irritated by them. I get this constant reminder of this element of self-care that I'm ignoring that bothers me. And if I'm in conversation with someone, I want to like curl them up into a ball. Mm. And so yesterday I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And then I didn't find the time. And then it was like 9 p.m. at night. And then I have a you know, nine-month-old baby. And me and my baby were hanging out. I'm like, you know what? We're doing a pedicure day. <laughs> so I just got out my little chainsaw, like sawed my feet down. And then I clipped my toenails. I painted them. I put on my feet cream. And then I put that actually on my bedside so that I don't forget every night to apply this cream. So I don't end up in the same repeat scenario. And that's why I brought the foot cream. Here we are. I love a good, like simple hack like that. And the feet tend to be very ignored, but they are so crucial. I grew up dancing. So I was on my feet a lot, especially when we did points and all of that. So the feet got destroyed. Um, and something like that is such a nice little routine to have. Have you ever tried putting like socks on after the cream? to kind of marinate them. Yes. I have extra. I mean, there's another extra thing, which is where you put uh, saran wrap. Mm, mm -hmm. So I used to do that and I can't sleep with socks on at night. There's got to be a line to, there's a limit to how soft my feet will be, but I can't sleep with socks on, but I definitely should have socks on during the day and and have it on. Um, Thank you. I will apply that. Yes. Another element to that. So thanks for sharing. That. There's levels to this soft so feet game, levels, honey. But you're on a good <laughs> first starting. So that's good. Um, last question I asked everyone is anything that's been in your heart or mind lately? It could be what we talk about today or it could be something very broad that it's been on your heart. I don't really know how to put this into words, but I think um, everybody, you probably have been through this. Everybody who is a public facing figure or you know, their, their job has to do with people and people's response to them. Mm-hmm. We'll go through these highs and lows of times where you feel really connected with your audience and really understood by your community mm-hmm. and times where you feel unliked, unloved, misunderstood and irrelevant. And I feel like I'm going through a 
period of the ladder right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, I think that's kind of a thing. Like it's creating like a low level of anxiety in me. I had like a piece of content that I put out that just did not go over well. And it was just not received in the way that I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a thing that's kind of been sitting on my mind for a little bit, but really in my heart is, is joy and fullness and, and awesomeness. And I have a, a great family and a great support system. So my heart is like full and like, that's the grounding piece. But I think like mentally, that's a thing that if I have some free space, my mind has been drifting there mm-hmm. for the past couple of weeks. I'm wondering with the content and the work that you do, do you generally feel it in yourself and think like, oh, I want to put this message out. This is what I'm feeling lately. Or is it more like you responding to your audience or does that shift over time? It really probably is more of the former, more of like, here's what I want to talk about or here's what I need to say right now. It's a mix of that Mm -hmm. and a mix of what am I contractually obligated to talk about right now. Uh, So I think that those two things take up so much of my bandwidth. I would love for the third to be more incorporated mm -hmm. um, of more specific. I mean, I'm getting ideas all the time. I say that like the great thing about my job is that I'm doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, like even in formal settings, people want to talk about their relationships and their love life. And so I'm always learning about things. I'm always getting ideas and I watch a TV show. And obviously that's a theme in the TV show, even if it's about blowing up bombs in a fourth dimension, Um, there's still an element of romance or intimacy in there. So I am constantly sourcing ideas from places, but I do feel like of late, I need more space, which I think the podcast is going to provide me with Mm -hmm. to directly speak to what my audience is asking for. Yeah. That's an interesting balance too, because you want to be genuine and respectful of what you're going through, of what you want to put out there. But then you also have an audience that you're responsible for, but then you also at times feel disconnected when you feel like you're not being received the right way. So it's a really hard balance, which you seem to do really well, but I'm sure it can ebb and flow as your career moves forward and you're taking on new projects. Uh, I'm sure it's an interesting thing to try to figure out for yourself. So I totally can relate to feeling disconnected and connected to your audience. I work with that balance all the time where you want to produce for people. You want to give everyone everything back to the people that who support you, who follow you, who you know, do all the things that helps you out, but then you also want to be true to yourself. So I, I don't have an answer for how to balance that, but I completely understand what you mean. Yeah. I think that that's uh, just a part of the job. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of joyful parts of the job that we do, but the difficult part is that you don't have one boss. You have in theory, tens of thousands, hundreds hundred thousand, some people, millions of bosses. Yeah where I always remind myself of that, you know, as if you're a public facing educator or you are a public facing personality, like whatever it is that you do, like the people are your boss. So I think it's interesting whenever people get quote unquote canceled or called out on social media, where that's their job, Mm -hmm. where they take on this like adversary role. Like, who are you to tell me you don't pay my bills? Like, I don't even know you. Like automatically we go to the defense of the disconnect. Like Mm -hmm. your opinion of me is irrelevant, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, couldn't be any less true for people like us. Like people's opinions of me is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And what people think of me and how they feel about me and the trust they have for me, especially as an educator is extremely important. So Mm -hmm. it's hard because I don't have one boss to please. I have like, again, like tens of thousands of bosses to please. And so I think that it it naturally is always going to be on people like ours minds. Absolutely. I have one more question on that. How do you maintain then authenticity through that? Knowing that you have all these people to please and all of these bosses and all of these messaging that you're trying to get out there, but how do you remain authentic through that process? I mean, I think that sometimes my problem is being too authentic. Like, you know, like I think in general, 
because in our real life, right? Like there's grace. I am so authentic. My husband, my sister uh, works with me. So like the desk behind me right now is my sister's desk. And so I'm so authentic to them. Like I make jokes that are inappropriate. I say things that are not right. I, you know, I'll say honest things. My sister was giving me an example of something and it was like, oh, like that's actually was a valid piece of, you know, advice she was giving me. And I said to her, I'm like, oh, like while you were talking, I'm like, this is a waste of my time. But then I realized in the end, it was actually valid. It is a joke that I made, but she was like, do you think I'm wasting your time when I talk? It's like, no, 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 of course not. But, you know, if you say that on a social media platform, you don't have the chance to get somebody's, that's the thing. It's a dialogue that's one way and you don't get the reaction. And by the time you get the reaction, it's too late. The content's out there. Yeah. So I can make a joke and you may not take it well, or people may not take it well, but by the time that I realize you don't think it's funny or that's offensive, it's already out there and it's too late. Mm-hmm. I can make an analogy or an anecdote. And again, it's like in, in person, we have the automatic feedback. And then we have an ability to immediately come back and explain further the context of what we said or the intent of what we said, but we don't have that opportunity with the audience. And so that's tricky. And so I think that a lot of times I'll be too authentic. I'll say Mm -hmm. in that you're talking as if this person is in the room with you, but they're not. Yeah. Um, and they don't know what you did that morning. They don't know the conversation that you had that led you to certain ahas. Like there's so much context that they're missing. And so you can't really be 100% authentic because the truth of the matter is, this isn't a genuine, authentic interaction that we're having. Mm. There is something that is superficial about it and contrived about it just by virtue, again, of the fact that you're not responding to me. Um, and I, I have to keep that in mind, I think more so than the other part of it. Yeah, but I also do think that is a good reminder for people watching things and watching content like content like yours and taking certain things for face value and not fully like understanding the complexities of maybe where things have come from. So just like a further check for, I think everyone when they're watching stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I do that in real life, you know, like I'm a really big fan of that. If this, if the reaction doesn't match the stimulus, something is off that I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. If I go out and I go to buy a hot dog at a stand and then I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. Can you take it off the grill? And the person's like, no, no, this is not And they flip out at me. I'm like, Oh, like there's something that happened previous to our interaction, which is causing you to have this massive Mm. response to something that's very innocuous. So I do that for people in real life where sometimes if I am like, this doesn't really add up, I'll give it the benefit that there's not enough information that I have. Mm. Um, I think people could stand to do that a lot with content creators, where if it's like, especially if you're following someone for a long time and that's kind of, you know, I got into like, I have, um, you know, an audience of of people who've been following me for a long time. So sometimes I'm surprised at like how they take things out of context because you're like, oh, I thought that we had built up an understanding of each other a little bit more where we have more grace, but Mm -hmm. you know, people don't owe you anything. It's nice that that people give you their time and that in itself is the exchange. They don't, they don't owe you grace or anything else. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that. Yeah. I like that perspective a lot from both sides of it. So thank you. I do want to get into your book because I feel like yes, I, so I am in a relationship and things are great. Congratulations. Thank you. And I am sad that I didn't have your book when I was dating and when I was looking for the partner that I have now, because I went through this whole journey with dating and I, my journey with relationships, I waited a long time to get into a serious one. I just felt like I wasn't doing things right, or I wasn't finding the people that I was looking for, or I didn't really know how to date. And I tried my own path of figuring that out, but I would have loved to have a book like yours during that time. So I want to help people today by kind of breaking down some of your ideas from that. Because I do get a lot of questions now that I am in a relationship of like how 
other people can do that and like what they're doing wrong or why they're not finding relationships or why they're not finding success. And I feel for them deeply because I remember that part part of myself very recently. So first of all, can you just explain a little bit like the premise of your book, why you decided to write it? And then I want to break down some of the ideas that you brought up. Yeah, the premise really was exactly that, where in that any other area of your life that you feel like I want to improve cooking, I want to get better at cooking. I'm just not getting the dishes that I set out to get. Mm -hmm. There are processes, there are schools, there are books, there are online courses, and they're clear and concrete. I think that with dating relationships, intimacy, even sex, there's this idea that everyone's different. And I get into a lot of arguments with people about this because people want to draw straws, I guess, in a lack of a better term, like they want to be like, well, everyone's different. And then there's actually no tangible advice out there. Mm. So you can't really learn how to do these things because no one is doing it in a clear, instructive, concrete way. And so I know from a lot of the books that I've read that are more medical-based or psychological-based, uh, just more academic, mm -hmm. there actually is clear-cut strategies, which are known as theories, right? So there actually is clear-cut theories and strategies for how to be more attractive, for how to be more seductive, for how to win people over, for how to be remembered by individuals. And so this notion that we have in pop culture land that everyone's different. So there's no way to learn how to date. There's no way to learn how to be attractive. It's just case by case scenario. It's not actually entirely true. Like there are hard skills that people can acquire to improve their odds at having better intimate connections and a better dating life overall. And so the whole point of the game of desire was to present those concrete strategies um, in a way that I thought people would enjoy. So instead of me just doing it like a textbook, like here's theory one, theory two, yeah. or here's a step-by-step -step program, it's the story of how I worked with six women and guided them through this program. And it's a story of the exercises that I did with these individuals, again, to make them so at the end of it, they came out and they're like, I'm amazing at dating. Mm -hmm. I am awesome at connecting. I really know how to walk into a room, find the person who's best fit for me and create a connection. Like that's what I wanted in the end. Um, but I wanted the experience of learning about these theories that I had that changed my life to be enjoyable for people. So that's why I kind of writ wrote it in almost like a fiction way. Mm, yeah. You knocked it out of the park as far as the way that you described it and what you accomplished because it is incredible and it's so interesting. And I love the idea of following six women all from different backgrounds um, who are actually really successful in their own rights. They just didn't seem from reading it. They just didn't seem at the beginning like they didn't believe their worth and love as much as they should be. From looking at them from the outside, you would think like this person is this success, has this stuff going for them. They obviously would be successful when it translates into love, but there was a disconnect for each and every one of them. And I found that so interesting. So I'm wondering from with the women or just like working with people in general or the people that follow you, like what do you see as common disconnect that we're all making and dating right now? There seems to be kind of a lot and it seems to be hard to grasp when you are looking at it as deeply as you did in this book. I think the word grasp is really important is like getting clear, right? Like a simple question, like the first part of the book is know yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure most people listening right now are like, check and check. Like I know myself and like, what do you mean? And then if I ask you like, Hey, well, who are you? Like how explain to me how you like to be loved. And then you get all these vague answers. Mm -hmm. I like communication. I want trust. I want somebody who's going to stay by me. I want to have fun. I like Netflix. You know what I mean? Like even that's a, probably a better answer. It's more specific, but you get these really vague responses. And so similarly, if I asked you in, in the book, I talk about this, 
you know, how do you like your coffee or tea made? Oh, has to be boiled to 180 degrees. I like um, oat milk, but I prefer the oat milk that's a creamer by this brand. I like uh, cane sugar. It has to be two tablespoons kind of shook out. So it's level level done. And then I want it one third oat milk. Like you have a very specific response. And so someone's likelihood of being able to make coffee or tea the way that you need is so much more likely because your instructions are very clear. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you in turn, tell me about yourself and how you like to be loved. And you're giving me a ton of vague responses that could apply to billions of different definitions or understandings. Mm -hmm. The likelihood that you're actually going to get what you want is very slim. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that we're not taught the language and the skills to know ourselves in a way that is understandable, not only to ourselves, but allows us to clearly communicate what our needs are to other people. So I think a big part of the game of desire is that acknowledging there's this word that I love, it's called tacit knowledge. Um, and so tacit essentially means like it's almost intuitive. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you, how do you, what, uh, what gets you off? What makes you orgasm? You might be like, you know, when someone's massaging, you don't have the words to explain. Like I like direct clitoral stimulation with a tongue to the right side. Mm -hmm. I prefer an up and down um, motion, mostly focusing on licking up and then sliding down. Mm -hmm. Like if you get the direct language, now it can actually become prescriptive and directive. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that, what you have is tacit knowledge. You know what it is. Like if I ask you what something tastes like, you kind of know what it is, but you may not have the words to describe what that taste is. And so the game of desire is taking your tacit knowledge, the thing that you kind of intuitively know, and then putting concrete language behind it so that you know how to utilize what you know in a powerful way and communicate that to other people. Mm, yeah, that was so interesting. And there's a workbook that you have that has a series of different like tests yes. that you can take, which is wonderful. Cause I, it just brings me back to the old school days of like taking a test out of a magazine, but this one is actually effective instead of being like, Oh, what, <laughs> what cuddling position do I like? It's more of like an actual like personality <laughs> test, sexuality test, um, arousal test or like desire test. Was that what it was? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Turn on triggers. Turn on yes. triggers, which are so interesting because I even in a relationship and I was like, oh yeah, I'm, that is my turn on trigger. Like that's my partner's. And I just love having a lot of information. And I think that can lead to intimacy, which we would not necessarily think those two go hand in hand, but it, it just helps to feel like powerful and confident in what your knowledge is and like what your abilities are that so when you're in the intimate space you don't have to think about it so much so I love I love the test so I want to get into like the process of it so like if someone is wanting to go through this process the test that they take in the book and how they applied it because you had five phases in the book of how you took these women through the phases so I want to go through a little bit of the five phases first before we break down the rest yes yeah, so the five phases are super basic um and it's just like it's a thing that you would apply to literally anything in life that you wanted to get mastery on. Mm -hmm. So phase one is to know, you got to know yourself, know your strengths and your weaknesses. If I'm trying to, again, become a great cook, I have to be aware of what it is that I like, what I want to improve on, where my strengths are, where my weaknesses are, and like where I see myself going forward. It's like knowing where you're at right now. It's your starting base point. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that is not just a matter of like asking yourself, who are you? It's taking the quizzes. And so if you go to the game of slash workbook, it's a two hour long workbook. It's a pretty big time commitment, mm -hmm. but in the end, you should be able to look at it. And the goal is to turn that two hour long workbook into something that I refer to as the how to love me guide. Mm -hmm. And essentially that's just 
questions that you could put on a cheat sheet. So when you go and buy a piece of furniture from Ikea, you can either get the manual that's like 40,000 pages long, or you get that the building sheet that's like you fold out. It's one quick, easy sheet and you can present it to anybody. So the goal is the workbook is something that's really just for you. It's a bad manual, but the how to love me guide is I want this. If we're in conflict, here's my apology language. If you want to engage me sexually, here's my turn on trigger. Mm -hmm. If you feel like there's a misunderstanding between us and you see that I need love, here is my love language. Um, when we are in, again, in arguments, know that on my big five personality scale, I tend to skew more neurotic, which is going to lead me to have really big reactions to things that you might view as small. Mm. So it's this, this bit of information that allows someone to go, oh, here's how I love you. And here's how I get the success out of you. Here's the directions. So it's the handle with care directions, right? Um, after you finish, no, then you go to change. So now that you know where you're at, what is it that you want to change and work on? Mm -hmm. What are the action points that you can outline for yourself? And I think a part of no or change, but I believe one of the exercises in no was to go back and interview an ex. Yeah. And that's called X marks the spot was the name of the chapter. And the whole point is that we have these blind spots when it comes to ourselves as intimate partners. And that's because majority of the people that you really trust have never dated you before, you know, especially if you're single, the people who you think know you better than anybody else have never actually be, been intimate with you. Mm -hmm. So while they might know you as a friend or as a daughter or as a teammate, they don't know you as a lover. So you've got this individual from your past who has a lot of very interesting information that could be important for you to improve. Again, going into that change section, mm -hmm. they could outline for you, what are some of the areas of intimacy that you do need to work on that you may not have been aware of? So change is the area where after you've done the self-work and after you've done some, you know, collecting of information from other people who can give you pertinent information, where do you want to work on? And then after you change, then it's about, okay, let's like learn. So now that we've identified what it is that we want to fix. So going back to the cooking analogy, I want to get better at cook at baking. Mm -hmm. So the learn section is, all right, let me figure out who is the masters. What are the books? What are the podcasts? Where do I need to go to get the information to fill this gap that has been causing issues in my intimate life and blocking me from achieving my intimacy potential? Mm. And then after you learn, you got to practice now that you have this new information. Okay, what are the low risk environments I can put myself in where I can try to apply this new knowledge that I have now learned? And then when you practice something enough times, it becomes a part of you. And that's when you can be that thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, the sixth and final phase is fifth and final phase is to become. Um, but without knowing, without changing, without learning, without practicing, you can't become. And I think that when it comes to sex intimacy, usually go from step one to step five. Yeah. And then right. To and just say, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just like be more confident, right? Like I want to get better at dating. Okay, great. Be more confident. And then someone's like, Right. What does that mean? Like where, yeah. what are the steps in between? What, how do I get from point A to point B? Um, and the book was again, designed to really help you answer that question. Yeah. It's one of the very few books that I've read that made it in detail. That's understandable and actually gave you actionable steps because the ideas are lovely and you can see couples or see people get into relationships and see like, okay, it worked for her, but how could that actually work for me? And I think what's so interesting about it is that you took it between six women, all different. So it's not like, oh yeah, obviously it's going to work for that one girl because she has this and that, but it worked for all these different people, um, which makes it so 
interesting and tangible and incredible. Um, and the one element that I really found interesting that you brought up in the book at some point, I don't remember which phase it was, it was the idea of like needing to change and to change yourself in order to get to that place, that sixth phase of like being in a relationship, getting into love. And I think a lot of people are told, like you said, just be yourself, you know, go out there, be yourself. Yes. Like it'll be fine. It'll fall into place. You'll meet the person when you least expect it. But I think what's great about this is the idea of like changing and fixing things. So what is your perspective on like changing yourself in order to get the relationship? Because I think it's very interesting how you look at that. Well, let me ask you about your initial reactions to that. Because I think, I mean, I'd just be curious about your initial reactions. To changing for a relationship? Yeah. Like, I mean, have you obviously gotten advice before? Like, mm-hmm. just be yourself. Yeah. Um, and that might have actually been what landed you in your current relationship. So just reflecting on that for yourself. I think for me, I had to get my, like my changing aspect had to be my ideas of a relationship and my ideas of myself being in a relationship. So my hangups around relationships were that I never really had them before getting into my current relationship. And I was very like shy. I tended to, to err on the side of shy and quiet. So I would fade backwards in things. So I had a hard time with like approaching people or putting myself out there or um, asking for what I wanted a lot in relationships. So I think for me, the idea of change wasn't like my core values and wasn't who I like am deep down, but it was bringing out the sides of myself that I made me a little bit uncomfortable and that I wasn't used to uh, diving into in order to get what I was looking for. Because I, I had ideas of what I was looking for, but the person that I was at the beginning of dating wasn't even close to the person that I am now because I, I wasn't pushing myself. I wasn't getting out of my comfort zone. I wasn't um, doing the steps that it takes to ask for what you want and to get that from a relationship. So that was like my concept of it. But then there's also this other element of like dressing up and like um, doing the things that make you seem like you're aroused and all of those steps that you had in the book too, which I found fascinating. I think that's a beautiful point too, because sometimes it's not necessarily about, again, like you said, like changing any core parts of who you are. It's just changing the presentation in the way that you allow people to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And then again, like introducing more strategy into your life of, okay, like I have a lot to offer, but I don't know how to market myself. Mm-hmm. And that could be a big one for people. So I think that element of changes should be encouraging. And I say that to say, because I think a lot of people get discouraged by the idea that if I want to meet my person, I have to make changes. Well, isn't the person who's right for me supposed to just love me for who I am? Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is who you are is an ever evolving concept. And I always say like, I am whoever I consistently choose to be. Mm -hmm. So I don't really hold true to be like, well, I just, I'm going to be myself. Like, well, what is self? Self is different today than it was yesterday, than it was five years ago, than it will be in five years. And it's a matter of what do I want to prioritize? And also, how do I want to be received by others? If the self that I am presenting is not getting me the interactions and relationships that I want, why would I feel beholden to that self? And that's what I was really saying in the book is the entire thing is if you have a great love life and you have a great dating life and you have amazing sex, you don't need this advice, right? Whatever you're doing, keep doing that thing. Mm-hmm. I wrote this book for people who are like, this sucks, dating sucks, X are trash, Y is trash, I can't figure it out, I keep getting ghosted. Like, and even if you don't resonate with all of those, but this element of, I am not enjoying the process of trying to find my person or connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And if that is you, yeah, you gotta change something. And don't feel afraid of that. Similarly, again, like if you are like, I hate cooking, 
if you want to get better at cooking, you're going to have to do something different. So it shouldn't be like counterintuitive and it shouldn't be offensive to suggest that. Mm -hmm. And I, I always say like, I think it's so much more powerful when change is in our hands. I have a friend of mine recently who was saying to me, LA is the worst city for dating. It is super trash. Everybody here is just looking for one thing and it's like a terrible place to date. And I was like, okay, I can receive that, you know, based on your experiences, like you haven't had a positive time connecting with people here. And I hear that and I validate that, Mm -hmm. but is it likely that we live in a city of like greater era of 40 million people and no one is dateable or is it likely that there's something you could be doing differently to change your experience dating here? Mm. And what, although it sounds like I don't want to take the blame on everybody else, it's actually so much more powerful when you can say it's my approach or it's what I'm putting out there or it's something within my control that can make the shift to give me the outcome that I want. And again, as long as you are in charge of your output, um, you as long as you know that your output can be different, the outcome is in your control. And I want more control for women. I think that's the whole point of the book. Like, Uh, The subtitle is uh, five surprising secrets to dating with dominance and getting what you want. Mm -hmm. And people had issues with that. Like, what does dating with dominance mean? And that's just essentially, it's like dating with control, just feeling like you actually have a say, feeling like you're not passively waiting, waiting for someone to pick you up, waiting for someone to call you back, waiting for someone to decide if where you go for dinner, waiting for someone to ask you to be their partner. Like you're constantly in the passenger seat of an area of your life that means so much. And and we know that from studies that our romantic life and our attitudes about our romantic partner really do dictate so much of our happiness. So why are we in a passive position? So I want you to be in a position of control. And in order to do that, you have to be the one who is able to make the changes that give you the impact you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's major. It's giving the power back to you in some a lot of times where people feel powerless, especially over time and like your friend getting all of those wrongs or having that mindset of like, it just doesn't work for me or it doesn't work for me here. And I think mindset has a lot to do with it. And I think a way of changing your mindset is by pushing yourself and challenging yourself, which I think this book does so well, is doing things that might make you uncomfortable, but that's going to help you in the long run. That's going to change your mindset around And when you do those uncomfortable things like the woman in your book did, it became easier for them. They started to understand and they got more confidence from it and they they realized that they could do it. It just took them like taking those shifts and relooking at how they thought about love and relationships and themselves even in order to get to that place, which was beautiful. Yes. And to the shift part, I think it's so important. And like even that like change doesn't necessarily, again, I thought you outlined this beautifully. You know, change doesn't necessarily mean that I have to change core parts of my character, my you know, who I am, because for some people they do, right? Like they have a tendency to self-sabotage or they might be self-centered. They might be too crude. There might be a part of their natural persona that generally is not aligning with other people. And I gave this example of when it comes to cooking, which I have, I can't even cook. This is so funny. I remember so many cooking examples. Um, when it comes to cooking, right? Like you can be an ingredient like garlic mm-hmm. that goes with most things, or you can be an ingredient like turmeric that like goes in certain dishes and it's hit or miss. It can be great, but it's, it's an acquired taste, mm-hmm. right? So, or there are certain powders that are like, not everyone's going to like it. And so if you have the kind of personality that's like more of an acquired taste, that's okay. You may have to work a little bit harder to find things that you naturally pair with. But if you can make yourself more like garlic, like learning what personality traits, and I've done this for myself, a big part of the game of desire is 
the work that I did, because I realized that I was essentially like hot, hottest chili pepper before. Was I enjoyable to some people who like super spicy foods? For sure. Yeah. Um, but I found myself getting into general disagreements all the time. And not just in my romantic life. I mean, like in the lineup at Subway Sandwiches, I was always, you know, butting up heads against somebody. And I had to really realize that there's a lot of my core personality traits that were working against harmony in my life. Mm. And that was massively showing up in my love life. So I sought out to make changes to myself and to my core personality and how I presented to make myself more like garlic. That was my journey. Mm -hmm. Your journey might be like yours, where it's like, I don't have to really change myself, but I do have to put myself in a position to actually be seen for who I am. Mm -hmm. I have to come out of my shell. I have to get over my shyness. Like I have to really change my marketing techniques mm. or for some people you had change locations. Yeah. If you live in LA and the culture here is not in line with you and maybe you're looking for more of a traditional culture where people are looking to marry younger or it's more religious, like people would move for a job, mm -hmm. right? I would, if I'm not living, if I want to get invested in tech, I'm going to move to San Francisco, yeah. right? Cause I'm, I know where my passion lies and where my potential will best have the, have the highest chances of being met. Mm -hmm. So if you know that the city that you're living in, um, and I, you know, there's a community of men that's, um, known as red pill community or, they're known as the manosphere mm -hmm. and they're men who are looking for more traditional women. Mm -hmm. They're fed up with the coastal modern woman who's very um, preoccupied with career success. They don't want that woman. Fine. Don't go after that woman. Yeah. Move to Montana. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many yeah. cities or places. Again, if it's really important to you and it's bothering you, the change doesn't have to always come from you. You don't have to change your values or change your circumstances or change your presentation. You may have to change locations. Mm. That's also something to consider. Yeah, that's true. And it's also coming back to knowing yourself in order to know when those things can easily, that can be an easy shift if you just knew yourself from the beginning or knew what you're looking for more clear. And that book will help. I have a couple more questions for you. Um, further than just finding the relationships, when you have found relationships, when you're in them, how do you keep this game of desire up? How do you keep it? over a longer period of time and create that longevity in your relationship because you are married, you have a child, and things shift with life, which is beautiful. But then like, how do you continue some of these practices and this overall desire and sexuality and the things that you do so well explaining? Um, how do you keep that going in relationships? I would love to do a third book on this. I think that the concept mm -hmm. of Maintaining long-term love is one that is taken for granted and it is completely different skills. Just like landing the job and being promoted within the job or having longevity in the job are completely separate skills. A lot of the same principles can apply. Mm. Of course, if you continuously get to know yourself, the easy answer to that question, like super boiled down, is self-insight emotional regulation and mutuality. And that's from a Ted talk and from a doctor who like really examined what makes love last. I believe that's the name of the Ted talk, but it's those three uh, major pillars, mm -hmm. but broken down, those mean so many things. Emotional regulation essentially means I don't subject yeah. my partner to my various moods willy nilly. So if I feel jealous, I don't act out on that. I really think about how I'm going to talk to my partner and what I'm going to say and what moods I'm going to share with them just like I do anywhere else in the world. I don't go out into the world and lash out on people just because I feel something. I think about the impact of what I'm saying. I think about if it's rational, if it's the right time. And then I decide how to behave accordingly. When we get into romantic relationships, oftentimes we turn off that filter 
because we're like, everything I feel my partner must know. Mm. I mean, that's possible, but that also can lead to a lot of turbulence in the relationship. So emotional regulation is a big part. Self-insight, and that's knowing yourself and getting to know yourself continuously and being curious about yourself and learning about yourself. Um, And if you feel that kind of goes to the thing of no one else is responsible for your happiness. So if you're constantly in conversation with yourself and looking to improve, like that's a really big part of having to be partnered with somebody else for a long time successfully. And the third piece is mutuality, wherein you go out of your way to do good for others and you go out of your way to look after and take responsibility for someone else. The word mutuality is important because it has to be a two-way street. It's the, I will scratch your back and my back will be itchy. That's in hopes that afterwards you're going to scratch my back. But maybe it is, I'll scratch your back and you scratch my feet because oftentimes what you need and what I want aren't the same things, but I'm committed to the process of figuring out what that is and repeating that over and over again. So that's the base of it. Um, But I think like broken down, there's an entire other book to answer that question. Thank you for that. And I hope that you do write that book because I will definitely read it because- It just takes one reader, Sydney. Yay. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's it. I'll promote it for you if you do. Um, last question on this topic. I found it interesting, especially when these women went through the processes of your book and how they not only change in the love department, but also in their careers and the decisions that they knew to make for themselves. Like how are they connected and what did you see as far as growth for them? How can people working on love and relationships hope for that change as well on their outside lives? Yeah, I would, like I would hope said. so. I mean, one, it's just the process of getting to know yourself is going to apply to every single relationship. And then, like I said, for a living, you know, I talk about sex and relationships and I, my job is 24 seven because this is a big intrinsic part of our life. And whether or not we are sexual with somebody or not, we are in relation to so many people. So learning these things about yourself and learning the basics of what other people are looking for out of a connection is something you can apply to everywhere. Like something as basic as love languages, you know, has really massively transformed my work life with colleagues because I make it my intent get to know what someone's love language is. And so when I'm trying to affirm them, I don't affirm them in a way that I want to. I know what matters to them and I affirm them that way. Hmm. So yes, it's like there's secrets to getting along with people. It's secrets to getting the best out of people and also secrets to knowing yourself to put yourself in an environment where the best of you can thrive. So I, I genuinely believe that these are skills that will improve every facet of your life. But also statistically, uh, the quality of our intimate relationships will dictate a lot of our happiness. So when you feel good about your love life and you feel like you can go home and fall into something wonderful, whether that be with several people It could be with nobody because you feel like right now is a time for you. But if your intimate life and your romantic life is a space of peace for you and gratitude and happiness, that bleeds over and joy to every other area. Absolutely. And I think it shows and it's like great examples of that. And it makes sense because they're all connected. And it's like knowing yourself in order to better every relationship you have in life, including your relationship with work, friends, family, relationships in general. So that makes total sense. Um, Shan, I have two more questions before you go. They, they're the ones that I ask everyone. First question I have is what do you want to be remembered by at the end of your days? Oh, like when I'm dead, <laughs> when I, I die, <laughs> I would like to be remembered as somebody who encouraged people to love their love life. 
I mean, I, there's no really fancy answer of saying that. I just want, it's the best compliment in the world. There's actually two things. I, I also want to be remembered as somebody who blew open this space, you know, like took a hmm. bunch of dynamite and threw it underneath the rocks. And then now this tunnel, this cave became a tunnel. I want specifically like people of color, women of color uh, to find their passion as being educators, specifically in the intimacy space. And so when I grew up mm. saying I wanted to be a sex expert was like the weirdest thing in the world. And like, what are you talking about? And there was very few people to point to, to say, this is a possible career. This is a possible way of making a living, a beautiful way of making a living. I would love if mm. there was just hundreds of thousands of other people who myself and other people encouraged, you know, to dare to dream in this space, that would be great. I think in general, just people who are like, yeah, she made, she gave me an orgasm last night. You know what I mean? Like she made my love life a little bit better. My second boyfriend, you know, I got after reading her book and maybe I didn't marry that person, but like it gave me the confidence and understanding to know what I wanted. So when I did find my life partner, you know, that information was pertinent. So I just kind of want to be a part of your love and life story um, in any small way that I can. That's beautiful. And it seems like with the work that you're doing and how far you're reaching, it's already well underway. I hope so. I mean, like to death though, and it's a big one. Cause like you think about that, like that's like, yeah, I mean, that's a really tall glass to order, but yeah, waiter, bring it over. It's mostly like what you want to be known for. So it's essentially the same. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Last question. One last piece of advice. It could be related to what we talked about or something just general last piece of advice from you. Oh man. I prioritize pleasure. I think is always a great one. So Again, kind of going back to the when I die, I want you to be like, she gave me a great (laughs) orgasm. Do it today, you know, like prioritize a little bit of pleasure in your life. If there's something that's been bothering you, set aside some time today to come up with an action plan to work towards it and invite a little bit of joy into your day, whatever that is. Right now, I'm literally playing with like the microphone jack and I'm rubbing it against my foot, which is bringing me pleasure in this moment. So invite some pleasure into your life, into this moment. And um, yeah, have a great day. Amazing. Those creamy feet. Are yes! <laughs> Nobody calls my feet creamy, Sydney, you flirt. There you go. Well, be the first. There it is. Manifest it. Um, Shan, where can everyone find your book, you, your website, YouTube, the future podcast, all of the amazing oh, stuff? Oh, thank doing. you. Well, so The Game of Desire um, is my audiobook. And as Sydney was mentioning, you're listening to it right now. You can actually go to audible.com slash Shan Booty, and uh, that'll get you a free trial for Audible. And with a free trial, you get a free audiobook, and you get to keep that audiobook forever, even if you cancel the plan the very next day. So you can literally like just like go sign up, get my book, cancel your plan, never pay a dollar, and then you get it for free. So try that. Uh, and then also October 6th, Lovers and Friends with Shamboodram, my podcast launches. And that's, again, like the most exciting thing that I'm working on by far. So people check that out. That means a lot. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here and just everything that you do. I think you're incredible and I love following along. So thank, thank you. you for having me. This has been a joy. I'm yeah. going to kiss the microphone. Do you want to kiss yours? Yeah. I haven't kissed my microphone. Wow, that's that's a make out. (laughs) Doing new things. (laughs) Amazing. Well, have a great day and thank you. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime this podcast obviously send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at something to share podcast on instagram and i'll see you next wednesday